Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Good morning. Yes, welcome to the war. This is Margie. This is Jerry. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day, that you are the Lord, that you are God, that you are the creator of heaven and earth. You are the one who is in control of all things. You are the one who made us. You are the one who calls us to yourself. You are the one who defines who we are. And I thank you, Lord God, for giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to receive the revelation and the instruction of who we are, who you are, what your word says about us, Father God, in this war as you make it more clear to us. I thank you for giving us power over all the power of the enemy. You said, um, whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. And you wouldn't have given us that, that, position, that authority if there wasn't any reason to use it. I thank you, Lord, also for the divine promise of your protection, that no weapons formed against us will prosper that no word said, no deed done, no action taken by the evil one will be able to bring forth any shame, trouble, or reproach. He will not be able to penetrate our righteousness because it is of you, Lord Jesus, and that our families will come to know you. Our loved ones, those who are yet lost, wandering out there, will come to rightly divide the Holy Word of God, and you will instruct and lead us through this jungle of garbage out there, Lord God, that the devil has set up as counterfeits to who you are and who we are. So we just thank you, Lord God, for anointing us and for giving us all these wonderful listeners and that this, this uh, program will go far and wide to bring people to freedom. Amen. Hey, what's the, the title of our show? It's kind of out there, you know. Uh, well, we're kind of always out there, aren't we? <laughs> it's kind of a question of identity. God the, is out there. Yeah, he's out there. He's and in he's there. And he's in here, yeah. too. The so. bottom line, uh, the question of identity, believer's bondage, part two, believer's in bondage. And this is a case of mistaken identity. And, you know, there are two identities that are being mistaken or corrupted or tried to be rewritten or redefined by the devil. He's, a, he's into redefinition. Well, you know? redefining the identity of God, uh, God yeah. as to who God really is. And who we are. And who we really are. Yeah. And so those are the two issues. When we come to the understanding of the concept of God more nearly as he is and who we are yeah. according to what God has declared we are. Yeah. That really brings us into a place of, of of freedom, right? And I think we've got enough stuff for probably two weeks worth or three weeks worth of shows here. So we're going to get started. And I want to I want to personally, if we can start with who am I, uh, because that you know we're defined you know in Genesis actually. Let's begin um, in Genesis one twenty six and twenty seven. It says God made us in his image. Let me read it. Yeah, um, thanks. So God created man. This is, uh, well, okay, let's go to, yeah, verse 26. And God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. Mm-hmm. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. 
Right. And, you know, I think the thing is, this is the word of God. And when God made us, it's like God built us. He built into us his own characteristics. That's what kind of that means. He made us to love what he loves, loves and hate what he hates. And God loves justice, purity, goodness, holiness, righteousness, truth, mercy. And he hates sin and he hates injustice. And so what's happening here in the corrupting of the image of man, corrupting of our identity, uh, confusing us, um, he, the enemy wants to go back to confuse us about that goodness. He wants to confuse us about, am I good with goodness being uh, defined as worth and value and lovability? Uh, am I lovable and, des- devi- and desired? That's what the devil questions. He wants to put that question to us through our minds, through our emotions, through the words and uh, conversations of others. Well, then we've got the lies of evolution that we just sort of happened. Accident. There's really no mm-hmm. God. It's just some kind of a cosmic accident yeah. that over billions of years, right. we evolved along with, you know, there's there's mice and monkeys and there's us and alligators. and Yeah, what, a, a, what an amazing accident that all this stuff could evolve and produce an ecosystem that also could sustain it and to reproduce itself in the cosmic and the universe, the womb, uh, the intricacies of the atom, they all pattern the same creation type over and over and over, the same design, if you will. So there's an intelligent design, but not only is he intelligent, Jerry, he is lovable. He wants a family. He loves us. He, he created us in his image for the, the purpose of, of gathering a family. A, a, you know, a lot of people, they want to start a family. They want to have children. They want to have a legacy. They want to be immortal, if you will, in the, in the lives of their descendants. And God wanted to show his love for us. But there's, if you don't have an object for love, you don't have love. I mean, if you, if you just love, 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 but what are you loving? Who are you loving? That love goes nowhere. It's like a great uh, energy to love, but no object to receive that love. And so he created a, a family. Right. And so the enemy, too, has worked to uh, screw up our identity. So, you know, God said, okay, male and female, he created right. man. Mm-hmm. So now we're in our d- d- day with all this transgender uh, agenda, yeah. homosexuality, transgenderism, mm-hmm. uh, you know, VGLT or whatever it is, <laughs> uh, BLT, I, like to say, I don't know. But, yeah, but all this stuff, this whole uh, agenda of confused identity where – where we have three uh, three to five year old kids that are born boys that think they're girls. Yeah, I know it's it, it is an agenda, and you don't have an agenda without a without a conspiracy without without a an intelligence behind that agenda. There's a plot. Well, There's a another plan. thing, right? God gave man dominion over the earth, mm-hmm. but then what happened is in the Garden of Eden, essentially, man sold out that dominion. Well, let's look at that for a minute. Satan. When God created man, as you read in verse thirty-one of ch- chapter one, He says, "Then God saw everything that He made, and indeed, it was very good." So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So God made man in His image very good, and then we have the problem. We're created in the image of God, formed from the dust and the mist, uh, which actually equals mud or clay. And God breathed into us in Genesis 2-7. He breathed into the man's nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being, uh, a place. And he was given a place in the garden. It was very specific, very thought out, very thought out. 
not a concrete jungle, not an accident, not a who cares if you're there, not a uh, you're on your own kind of deal. God was right there with him, walking with him in the garden day after day. Um, and that's the beginning. Now, when um, sin came, the, the act of disobeying God, um, before that, Adam and Eve were morally innocent because they had not yet sinned. They had not yet been corrupted with the contamination of sin. But sin, um, Satan used the sin he enticed Eve and Adam to commit. He used that sin to get a chance to redefine them as doings. Beings from, from beings, God says you're a human being. Now Satan says, no, 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 you sinned, you are what you do, you are a sinner. And so he tried to um, introduce the concept of uh, uh, sinful human nature, hoping that sin would um, rewrite Adam and Eve's identity and who they thought they were. Right. There's, a, there's a great question in Genesis chapter 5, verse 3. talks about, you know, Adam, we had uh, Cain, we had Abel, and mm-hmm. all this, and then there, there are others um, that, that came, of course, from Adam and Eve, our first parents. But Genesis 5, 3, it says, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own after his image and named him Seth. So so there's a, there's a there's a great debate here too. But you have to read verses 1 and 2 first and then you have to read verse and uh, Genesis read verse uh, chapter 9 verse okay, 1. Okay, let's let's read the Let's go with 1. This is the book of the generation of Adam. In the day that God created man, he made them. He made him in the likeness of God. This is kind of a summary after chapter 5 after we go through the um, uh, Genesis chapter 1 and the creation. He created them, male and female. He reiterated, reestablished, reconfirmed uh, that they're male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day that they were created. There's no indication that, and this was after the sin, this was after Cain and, and, and well, Adam and Eve as well, there's no indication here that God rescinds his made in his likeness, uh, although he does say in verse 3, as you indicated, that Adam and Eve were able to bring forth a child in their likeness so the kid looked like them. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean just because my children, your children, our children look like us doesn't mean they're no longer created in the image of God. And that's what some people use to indicate that there's that's what happened, that now it's I mean, total, total depravity. Well, that's, you know, I mean, the devil has al- always uses the scriptures, always, right. to, to institute his theologies or his deceptions. You have to be aware that Satan is, is very good at using the word of God, as he did with Jesus in the well, wilderness. The other thing, too, here is that there is a nature. Now, when there was the image of God, that man was created in the image, likeness and image of God. Adam begets children after he sins, so there is a transference of that tendency to sin. It's not the obliteration mm-hmm. of man being created in the likeness and image of God as an intelligent being. moral being and mm-hmm. so forth. But still but there is too there's that, that, that tendency, Confusion. that mark of sin right. that is transferred from generation to generation through the DNA. Well through the DNA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. As well as 
uh, us being in the likeness and image of God. Well, then if you go back to Genesis chapter 9, where uh, Noah is just coming out of the boat, and God is kind of reestablishing his covenant, re-instructing them uh, in what to do. Um, it says in verse 9, 1, So God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. The fear of the Lord and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth, upon every bird of, this, of the air, upon all that moves on the earth and all the fish of the sea. They are given into your hand. Then he goes on to say in verse 5 and 6, Surely your lifeblood I will demand a reckoning from the hand of every beast I will require it, and from the hand of every man. From the hand of every man's brother I will require the life of man. Whoever sheds man's blood, by, his, by man his blood shall be shed for... In the image of God, he made man. So he's going back to reiterate again in chapter 9, verse 6, that he made man in his image, and therefore when man's blood is shed, that is a sacrilegious act, and it must be requited. It must be uh, blood for blood, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. So then again he said, be fruitful and multiply and bring forth abundantly in the earth and multiply in it. So we see again that this idea of man not being made in the image of God after the fall is not, it's not sound. It's not biblically sound. Um, and the people who want to hold on to that are usually the people who also have been deceived into believing that man is now depraved and has a sinful human nature. And I don't know about you, Jerry, but I have never found that term in the Bible, sinful human nature. We'll look at it in a minute uh, to well, see if we a, can. It's, but a, it's basically a summary, a summary statement describing how we have that, uh, that tendency because of the transference mm-hmm. of Adam's uh, sin that transferred well, to our DNA. Actually, what it was, I believe, is Adam's sin. Satan used that. He marked that down as his, uh, I don't know, ace in the hole or whatever. He had to, uh, as his playing card, is the, the, his, the thing he was going to use to try to persuade men that they are now not good anymore. Our, de- our identity is marred, and we are therefore... I have a sinful human nature, and with that sinful human nature, it's interesting how much we fight against that um, by trying to be good. We're going back to the original uh, innate being of hating sin and feeling guilty when we sin. It's amazing that the very telltale sign of guilt when a person sins, that conscious conscience pricking them, sin, feeling bad, that's wrong, not right, that is part of our innate reflection back to being made in the image of God. Right. Because it doesn't feel right. It doesn't look right. I, don't, it, it does, I feel guilty. I feel bad. I feel whatever. And it's those very feelings of guilt and on feeling bad that Satan is using to try to convince you that you are bad. Notice when a, a dog barks, he doesn't feel bad. You know, he is just being a dog. A human being, when they sin, they do feel bad because sin is not part of our original um, divine nature. So a lot of the confusion over our identity is because of our sin because of the sin. And I believe Satan marked that sin on Adam and Eve's DNA, like you said. And so it became passed down as part of the human condition. Um, uh, Now part of that condition meant they were going to have to live outside of the garden of Eden. They were going to have to work by the sweat of their brow. They were going to get hurt. They were going to fall down. They were going to get dirty. They were going to die. These were all um, uh, results of, the thing, the sin that was passed down. They became um, inherited that lot, if you will, and also a lot of confusion over who we are because of sin. And then a big question 
what am I going to do? But Adam and Eve really didn't have to think too long about, oh, no, what are we going to do? They did their little fig leaf, you know, repair still, kit. That's what we still do today. We just but, try to do something, develop some kind of religion. Well, that's coming out of the guilt. That's coming out of the, the, right. the remorse. But it doesn't It doesn't work. work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. It, we've developed a whole plethora of religious Options. systems yes. in mm-hmm. the world to try mm-hmm. to cover sin deal with sin get back to goodness somehow Mm -hmm. to make us feel good feel better feel right feel better or feel right yep and and it really it doesn't work just as the fig leaves did not work uh so do these religious systems not work well and and now that but they didn't have to wait too long because god came on the scene and god said to eve he said um what's going on here and she said the serpent deceived me now it's interesting that god didn't say to her but eve you made the choice. This is how we hit each other. We hit ourselves, how the devil hits us with this, um, this kind of a, I, I don't know, when you say what was your choice, it's reflecting all the guilt, all the shame, all the hopelessness back onto you. But God didn't say to Eve, you know, it was your choice. She said, the serpent deceived me. And God didn't say, well, that's too bad. You should have known better. I told you. But stop and think Eve and Adam did have no, they had no concept of what evil even was. It was a word to them, but it had no meaning because the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, all she actually, actually, I believe the, the reason Eve sinned is because she wanted to actually be more, to, 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 to be more like God, actually. And what is the sin in wanting to be more like God? Now ask yourself, you want to be more like God? Is that a sin? No. But that was the bait. That was the, the, the deception that Satan used. He says, you will not die, and you will be more like God. He told her those two things. And she, well, she didn't know she wasn't going to die, although I'm sure she didn't even think about dying because she didn't know what dying probably was. And so she had already eternal life, and she already had everything she needed in terms of knowing what she needed to know. Uh, but Satan um, wanted her to believe that whatever was on that tree would make her more like God. And so whenever we want to be more like God, people, mark it down. Satan is not stupid. He knows how to bait the hook of your life. He knows what you're looking for. He knows what you're hungry for. He knows what you're panicking for, what you're desperate for, what he probably set up the desperation for in the first place. He is going to bait your life, the hook of your life, the lie, with the, 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 the very thing that you're hungry for. And if it is to be more like God, as Jesse Penn Lewis said in, the, in 200 years ago in the book War on the Saints that she wrote, she said, in the last days, the thing that, uh, the, that the, the, the most people are going to be the most deceived are the ones who are the most hungry for God. And so you're hungry for God, so you go whipping off to all these stupid, you know, look-alike, counterfeit conferences and moves of God and church, whatever they are, services that some of them, many of them are not getting you to be more like God. Because if you look at more like God, if you look at what that looks like, it looks like Hebrews chapter 11. It looks like people being uh, persecuted and eaten up by lions and delivered from the lions and you know, walking around in goatskins and sheepskins of whom the world is not worthy. That's what it really looks like. But going back to the subject, Joe, you wanted to say something? Yeah, I was going to say that what Satan does is he works to, to convince us to satisfy legitimate needs and legitimate desires Correct. in an illegitimate way mm-hmm. that he makes sound to be very reasonable and very legitimate. That's that's how he operates. So it's yeah, it's just, just like Jesus. You know, 
uh, when Jesus was was tempted. He was tempting he was Jesus to, mm-hmm. well, when Satan tempted Jesus when he was here on earth in those approximately three and a half years, he was getting working to get him to, uh, you know, get the kingdom. Here, here, Turn the bread fall down and worship yeah, me, stones. and you can yeah. have it all. Mm-hmm. Well, he, Jesus is is has it all. He is going to have it all. But it's not going to be through Satan's method. I know. And you're right on this temptation thing. Notice Jesus was hungry. He had been fasting for 40 days. He was hungry for food. But here again, same with Eve. She was hungry to know more about God and wanted to be more like God. And there's nothing wrong with wanting to be like God. There's nothing wrong with being hungry and wanting to eat. But what is wrong is when we take the devil's solution to the problem. And Satan's solution to Eve was eat off the fruit of the tree. I'm sure if Eve really thought about it, she could have said, well, you know what? I could just ask God to explain that tree to me and what I need to know about that tree and have been fully trusting, fully satisfied. But because God had made them free moral agents, that means they get to make their own choices. He didn't force them to love him. He didn't force them to stay in the garden. He didn't force them to do anything. He had to let them be free to love him freely, to come back to him, to choose him freely and not to be confined to the Garden of Eden if they didn't want it. And that's why he gave them that tree in the first place. So they had their option to exercise their free will, so to speak. And because she was deceived, God realized, and he knew already, of course, that, but Eve realized, I have been deceived. Many times when we sin, we get stuck on the, it's my choice, I am bad, I need to do penance, I need to make up, I need to get back on God's good side. Satan used that to feed us another line of garbage that here's how you get back to God. You, you, you suffer, you promise you. But God says, no, 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 when you sin, here's what you do. You tell the truth. You turn your, turn your mind around, change your mind, repent, and come back to me and confess it. And I will forgive you. And it's done then. It's taken care of. But Satan's got all kinds of religious rhetoric and rituals and things that we have to go through to be okay and we're never okay as far as never done never perfect as right, far as saying because those religious rituals do not really change us in the in, from the inside out uh in second timothy chapter three it says but know this know this that in the last days which we are in right now yeah adding that uh perilous times will come for men will be lovers of themselves lovers of money bolsters proud blasphemers disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Mm-hmm. This is a description of uh, human society. Right, right now. and the I mean, sinful human that? nature. Okay. And that's also very well described in Romans chapter 1 where he talks right. about for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So actually what happened is they went with the lie. They believed I'm bad, I'm no good, I'm horrible, and, and I want to be. I like that. I like being horrible and sinful. So, and he talks about the, the uh, rejecting God, uh, refusing the love of the truth. So God gave them up. God was, had to give them over to their, the uncleanness and the depravity and, and exchange oh. the truth of God for the line worship and serve the creature rather than the creator. He had to give them up. God gave them up to vile passions. God gave them over to a debased mind. That's God what's had, going on today. Yeah, America. you've got it in Romans. And then you see also, if we go there in Romans chapter 3, 
Now, so you get a real good description of the of the depre- uh, the uh, the, fr- the uh, sinful human nature in action. And in chapter three, he says, um, verse um, ten, as it is written, "There is none righteous, no, not one. There are none who understand. There are none who seek after God. They have all gone out of the way. They have become, together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Their throat is an open sepulchre. Their tongues they have pr- practiced it, deceit." and the poison of asps under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness, whose feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So what we're seeing here is that we have a whole description of behavior, not being, but behavior. We have this description of doing very naughty things, rejecting God, God in his, uh, you know, in his passion for us, even sending his son, even resolving Eve's problem, of you know we don't do fig leaves we'll do have to do something much bigger than that well here here are the modern day fig leaves uh, right what we read there in second timothy chapter three verse five having a form of godliness mm-hmm. but denying its power from such people turn away he says reject that sort of thing this is what people tend to be running to Living this kind of lifestyle that we described. Because they believe the lie. Right. Living that sort of lifestyle, but then trying to throw the fig leaves on about a form of godliness, some type of religious, Self. whether it's whether <laughs> it's Masons or Catholicism or, yeah. or evangelicalism or, or whatever whatever it is. Well, uh, see, there, and, and the form of godliness, the form there means just the appearance Mm-hmm. Or the outward semblance, or the outline Covering it of up. godliness. It's it's an appearance. It looks like it's well. It looks like it's the right thing to do. Right. It well, like it's, it's, it's just a like reasonable trying, thing to do. Yep. But covering up the sin. But but the people's hearts have not been changed. Well, because the hearts are still full of deceit and desperately wicked, and who can know it? And yet we go to our heart. We go to our mind. Mind is uh, needs to be transformed, you know, by the renewing of your mind in Romans twelve one and two. Heart is deceitful above all else and desperately wicked. But we keep going to those two unclean sources to re- to get our definitions of who we are, rather than going to the Spirit of God. But going back to the confusion, really, sin set up the dilemma, the debate, um, the disobedience, the confusion, the the sense of guilt, and the theologians describe. Uh, this nature, the sinful human nature, as my uh, nature to sin, that if I sin, I am a sinner, and if I'm a sinner, I'm bad. So Satan redefining I, us, our identity, by what we do rather than who we be. God said you are a human being. Satan says, no, you're a sinful doing, and therefore you are sinful. Um, and it does say all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as we read there's none righteous, no, not one. But that doesn't talk about them. It talks about what they've done. They have sinned. They've fallen short of the glory of God. There's none that's practicing righteousness. But obviously, um, with you know, we couldn't be worthless, bad, vile if God didn't see some good in us and want to die for us. He still considered us worth dying for. Jesus called us lost not vile and depraved. Well, another thing, too, is that this image of God in man been um, yeah. not removed. No. It's it's the image of God in man has been marred or covered up mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. By, by all the sinfulness. It's like, you know, when, when you think of the most vile 
you know, people in, the, in their thoughts and behavior, that's really, it's not who they've been created to be. It's who they think it's they are. It's who, who they have mm-hmm. become mm-hmm. through sin and, and sin of, of, of generations, disobedience, believing lies and sin and the effects of sin, generation after generation after generation, gets us to where we are, where we are today, which have you described, Marjorie, many times, is we're kind of at the bottom of the avalanche. Well, right. And, you know, we define ourselves by what we see ourselves doing. So it's kind of a uh, circular reasoning. I see myself sitting there for I'm a sinner. I sin there for I'm a, I see myself, you know, I, I just go round and round. But what, when Adam and Eve sinned, what happened? A couple things happened. Things changed after they sinned. Their nature, their, their maiden image of God being was now subject to the fall, subject to now we have to die. Satan used that sin uh, in their minds and hearts and in the circumstances, actually, to redefine them, not as beings, like I said, but as doings. So here the logic kind of goes like this. I sin, therefore I am a sinner. Sin is bad. Sinning is bad. I am bad because I do bad things, because I sin. So they're all connected logically. If I sin and sin is bad, then I am bad. But um, if I'm made in the image of God, that is still also true. So now you have the true made in the image of God person who is now being tempted to believe a lie. So the conflict of, is being made. In, in God, are we made in God's likeness to resonate with the truth and the holiness and the purity and the justice uh, of God? Um, and yet now we're found sinning. So there's the conflict. It's resident right in us. We're made in the image of God. If we, if we were not made in the image of God, we would just go ahead and sin. Sin would be fine. No problem. It's just who I am, you know. Um, and, but now this internal conflict Satan is using to ignite confusion and rebellion against God. So this irresolvable conflict and dispute in, bo- in that dispute over us, both God and Satan are claiming the man, us, as his. So God is claiming us because we're made by him, made in his image, and he's willing to buy us back, redeem us, purchase us, get us back. And Satan says, no, they're mine because they listen to me because they sin. And Satan, of course, is cheating. He's setting us up. He's making us vulnerable. He's baiting us with the things we're hungry for. He, um, and he convinces us. If, so the thing is, God votes for you, for your salvation, for your redemption, for your a rescue. Satan votes against you and petitions the high court of heaven and says, I have a right to them because they keep listening to me. So you and I truly do have a choice here. And we have a choice every day, every hour, every minute, all the time. Every choice you make will make you one, take you one step closer to God. Not that God isn't in you already, but one step closer to God, the destiny God has for you or one step further away from it. So this internal conflict um, you know, we, we allow that allows the enemy to get our attention, and through our feelings, he can cr- call us to that place of feeling responsible, um, uh, defiled. We've lost our innocence. We don't like any of these feelings, and so of course we're motivated to get rid of them. So guilt is not part of our original divine nature, but sin has come in as a result of the gr- the agreement that was made with the deceiver. Sin has marked our DNA and uh, 
and the image of God has been is still intact even after the sin, but now we're like this. We're kind of like this. We're kind of like a I'm going to turn to Isaiah 43 and kind of give you the whole story of what really is going on. But the question is um is that sinful human nature really an accurate description of man's being? Is that what God wants you to embrace and accept, or does he want you to believe that Jesus Christ can set us free and whom, whom the sense that's free is free indeed? Well, what, what, what happens is that the, the, this sinful nature has become dominant right. in mankind. And that's why we finer. Mm-hmm. being it is, it, is, it is dominant, therefore, we, we say that's the way man is right. because this sinful nature is, is dominant. So what, what God does through the gospel, through Christ, is that the, that we, sinful, it's, 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 a, it's flip-flop. It's so, so the nature of Christ becomes has to be dominant, brought, yeah. becomes mm-hmm, dominant in our lives. Mm-hmm. We're renewed, like it says in Ephesians 4.24, that you put, it talks, he talks about uh, verse 22 of Ephesians. He said um, that you put off, Ephesians chapter 4, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, the old nature, which grows corrupt Mm -hmm. according to the deceitful desires or lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Amen. So what, what, what salvation is, is that there is the... um, the recreation or the renewing, uh, 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 the reemergence or the yeah. <laughs> impartation again of of the nature of God, so we can live more according to the true image of uh, well, it brings of, of God it out. Is, yeah, it, it brings it, it brings, out. It, it brings so, it to so the floor, to the surface. The old nature then is no longer dominant, but it is. Well, that's why is, he is says to be reckoned dead. It's right, to be, exactly to reckon it, act yeah. as if it's dead, and. And so Satan wants to redefine us by our sin, by what we do. God says, no, you're still a being made in my image to carry my image, even after the tremendous violation and sin. Because even, again, as we read before, in Noah, they had just come through um, the flood. And you know what they were doing right before the flood. The image of God, I mean, the corruption, the idolatry, the perversions was, was so astonishing, astounding that they had already wrecked all their DNA. Um, so, you know, God here is reaffirming um, even, and from that point on, God has not recreated us since Noah. So there's not been a rescinding of, oh, not you're not made in my image anymore. Um, he still forbids the shed, shedding of blood. But in Isaiah 43, let's go there for a minute. It's kind of all in one sweet little passage here. What God thinks about sin, what happened as a result of sin, and what God's going to do about it. In Isaiah um, 43, uh, verse 24, uh, let's start with the second half of verse 24. But you have burdened me with your sins. You have wearied me with your iniquities. Verse 25, I, even I am he who blots out your transgressions for my own sake. I will not remember your sins. Put me in, remember, in, in remembrance. Let us contend together. State your case that you may be acquitted. Your first father sinned, and your mediators have transgressed against me. Therefore, I will profane the princes of the sanctuary. I will give Jacob over to the curse and Israel to the reproach. Yet, 
Now hear, O Jacob, my servant Israel, whom I have chosen, chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you. Fear not, O Jacob, my servant, and you, Jeshurun, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry ground. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your offspring. Then they will spring up among the the grass, uh, among the grass like willows by the water courses so it's going to be a fruitful ending but what the thing is god says it's here it's it's he says this is interesting um the whole story of iniquity from god's perspective is kind of in this little passage and what he was going to do about it and he did do first of all sin wearies him it makes him tired sad wouldn't you aren't you sad when your children sin disobey carry out things that are going to be help uh, hurtful and destructive to them he says he will blot it out. Now you think about this, you, you know, an ink blot on a piece of paper. Notice the paper is different from the ink blot. The ink blot would be sin. The paper would be us. But the blot came on the paper. But if the ink is not blotted up, it will eventually stain the paper. And that's what sin does. It stains us until, and it convinces us that that stain is irremovable can't be changed. I'm now spotted. I'm still, I'm now wrecked. I'm a, I'm a blotted mess. But God says the only solvent that can separate the paper from the stain is the blood of Jesus. Now that's very good. You know, I mean, when you get a stain on your clothes, you're always looking for that one thing that will lift that stain out of the fabric so the fabric won't be ruined and look trashy. So Jesus is that, that stain remover that whatever, uh, it could be, it's the whitener that turns the paper, returns the paper back to purity. The paper is still paper, but it's messy paper. It's got a stain on it. It's got a stain on it. And God says, I will blot that out for what? For his own namesake. Because it blot out your transgressions for my own sake. Why? Because God doesn't want us all tarnished and messy and wrecked. He wants us the way he made us. And that is pure and holy and in love with him. Um, It says he doesn't remember our sins hold them against us. The one who holds them against us is the accuser of the brethren. God would just as soon you confess your sin and forget it. Because if you forget it, it, that means you've really believed God that he forgave you and it's over and you learned your lesson. And God does not expect us to live sinlessly in this world. It's like you would throw a baby into a mud puddle and expect that baby to play out in the afternoon sun all afternoon in that mud puddle and not get dirty. That's ridiculous. God does not expect us not to sin. He knew we were going to sin. As a matter of fact, he even knew the saints were going to sin. Because in 1 John, he says, tell them, John, that when they sin, that if they just confess their sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive it. He says, and, don't, and tell them not to say they didn't sin and call themselves a liar. And call me a liar. So admit when you sin. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to be, you know, I'm going to get in trouble. You already are in trouble. You're going to be in trouble by the devil and he's going to make sure you stay in trouble unless you go to God and get yourself delivered from that thing. So he, God wants to um, help us. He, he doesn't remember our sin. He will contend for us. He says, and this is what happens. We need to vote for ourselves. We need to know I'm worth, I'm worth it. God made me. God could have just made me a rock or a rabbit with no sense of identity or no consciousness. But he made me a human being. He wants to fight for me. I can, I can surely, he, God says, state your case. 
he invites us to decide to choose a side. Whose side are you going to be on? The one who hates you and accuses you or the one who wants to acquit you? What's wrong with this picture? Why can't people accept the Lord, huh? It's like um, he says, yeah, yeah, faith, your first fathers, yep, they sinned. They marred his image, like you said, Jerry, they marred his image. But Satan wants us to believe that the image has been completely corrupted and blackened and crumples it like he wants to crumple that piece of paper and throw it away. He wants to throw away the image of God. He wants to destroy it. He hates it. It's, it's, it's contemptuous to him. Well, here's, here's, another, here's a real practical, personal side of this, is that there's always uh, there's all the pressure, say, just a regular person, uh, children, uh, parents, children, young adults, pretty much any age, we, we struggle as human beings. Who am I really? Mm-hmm. So sometimes, you know, a, a parent maybe have uh, uh, has a desire for their, you know, the parent was a great musician, therefore they believe their child should be taking music lessons and learning piano and say maybe they're more athletically inclined. They're not interested in that so so see the world you know through all kinds of media movies <laughs> educational systems home life uh peer peer experience in school kids have there's all these things to to press us into a certain identity as to who we are and it's a legitimate um legitimate search. struggle mm-hmm. it's a legitimate search who am i really right but, you know, back, and, and that comes out of the, that question comes out of the conflict and the contending. Um, God says, let us contend together. Let's be together on the same side. Uh, let's choose, we, are, are, we still have the ch- options here to choose the truth and live or choose the lie and be bound. And even like Joshua says, choose you this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, I will serve the Lord. So he was saying, a choice needs to be made. If you're going to go in victory, going to go forward, and they were about to do that. He had to make that clear, and we need to declare that as well. But you need to declare over your life, I am the son or daughter of the Most High God, bought by the blood of Jesus. Um, God is for me. I am for me. And the devil's against us, and the devil is real. And, you know, people say, oh, you just talk too much about the devil. Well, you know what? Uh, we're in war, and if you haven't yet figured that out, then um, maybe to you I do talk too much about the devil. God wants to justify us. He has given us the opportunity for that justification and restoration through his blood, through his cross, through acknowledging our sin. Um, and he wants us to acknowledge it, but he doesn't want us to incorporate it into the definition of who we are, into our being. I am a sinner actually agrees with the lie. When you sin, and you will sin, you don't need to say, I am a sinner, because then you're equating it with your identity. You would say, I am the son or daughter of God or who, God who is doing sin, who is sinning. I am sinning, but I'm not, you know, I am tricked. I do sin. I'm not denying that I sin. I'm not, and I'm not saying we will never, ever get tricked because actually sin is a result of believing a lie. Believing a lie is a result of a choice you make, a choice you made by the, to get to believe the lie, to get tricked by the devil. So we really get messed up because of our mistaken identity. Mm-hmm. In this identity search, well, right. I just think of uh, you know uh, we uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, okay, and Daniel, okay. That was not their original names. They had Hebrew names, 
that were glorifying to God. They were transferred into a Babylonian system where they tried to change their identity, change their identity, change their education, change their food, all this. Um, so there is a uh, there is an there is an identity crisis that we're we're living in. People. Well, it's interesting as as someone just pointed out in the Greek, the uh, word for sinner is an adjective; it is not a noun. So oh. it's it's I dis, an adjective describes it's a description description right of what I'm doing. That's Ooh. very good. So that that's would important to know. That's something it? no one has ever told me before. Thank you very much, you who gave that information. But so the devil is trying to persuade us that we have a sinful human nature. That is who I am. That is a noun that describes me. Um, that is his indictment against me. And he wants us, he's hoping we will adopt his definition and thus change our identity well, just, from, from I am the, the son or daughter of God to I am bad, I'm no good, I'm worthless, because well, all these things are the same as sin. He, he wants, I, right, he I'm wants profane to, right, he wants in God's sight. He wants to keep sight. us locked in a false identity. And he wants us to believe that God also has locked us in that identity. And God yeah, is so disgusted, yeah. he's crossed his arms and turned his back and walked away. Mm. But if we're profane in God's sight, then why did he come back for us? Why did Jesus come to die for us? Um, uh, you know, why do we, you know, want to respond to that? Um, the question is, will we believe what God says um, and, and cast our vote with him? Or will we be, here's the problem. We constantly be changing our vote. And that's called the, the, the rut, the between the, the, the walking, the uh, pull between the flesh and the spirit. Walk in the Spirit, it says stay there, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. But we go back and forth between I should have, it's my fault, and God saved me. We're, we're double-minded, and in that we're undecisive, and in that we don't get our prayers answered, then we think God's mad at us, and prayer doesn't work, and a I don't have enough faith. Man, James unstable, said unstable right? in all his uh-huh. ways. And then again, you have a, another clever little invention of Satan, who he creates a lot of, he's created a lot of sex among the church that pronounce this kind of confusion that um, uh, over our identity, using sin and our vulnerabilities to sin and the propensity to sin as his argument and evidence that we are bad, 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 and should be cast off by God. Again, uh, Satan claims us based on his ability to deceive us, and he uses the evidence of our sin to convince God that we belong to him and that we don't belong to God. So as he uses the evidence of our sin, he also uses it against us. He said, well, look what you just did. You can't quit. Most people, many people are trying to stop something they can't quit. Paul says, I'm doing what I don't want to do. And then he says, if I'm doing what I don't want to do, it's not me doing it. But most people don't realize it's something else in them doing it through them. They just keep trying to quit what they can't stop until they fail and, and capitulate and get frustrated, give up and just sometimes the most tragic ends that come out of that struggle. Um, so he's trying, Satan is using the evidence of our sin um, and inability to stop that sin as proof and justification for calling for the death penalty for us, even though Jesus took the death penalty for us in our place to satisfy the legitimate demands Satan could make over one who had sinned to make in, in, in uh, behalf of souls. So Satan says, they sinned their mind. Jesus says, that's legitimate, but 
I died for them. Now that sin penalty has been paid for. And if they accept that, then they're mine. So my question is, how will we be so foolish as to believe a lie and can commit the greatest sin of all, which is the rejection of God's holy, genuine, sincere love for us as demonstrated in the giving of his life in our place because we believe a lie that we're not worthy to receive that love. So in other words, when you reject yourself, you're actually rejecting God and God's gift of salvation. When you believe you're a sinner, you're bad, no good, there's no hope for you, you're trying to fix yourself, you give up, then you give up again, you've rejected the greatest gift of all. We've been deceived into making our sin, our unworthiness, stronger and greater in our lives, more persuasive than the love of God for us. That is shocking to me. Um, this is the way the devil will win. This is the only way he can win. Yeah, because a lot of times we think, you know, I am If not, indeed he wins I'm, anything. I am not worthy to be saved. Mm-hmm. Uh, unworthiness. So, so we get locked into a sense of unworthiness, and it's really, it's really God's worthiness that, that saves us. God's love, God's will. God's love, mm-hmm. God's, uh, God, God's love. Mm-hmm. So he, he, he loves us even though we are, by our behavior, we're not worthy. But I don't think we but realize that. by our anything. nature, we are. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's like you, a parent loves his child. A good parent will love the child, even though that child is messed up, drugging, doping. Believing he's bad. Just rebellious attitude. Because, listen, this, this kid is mine. This kid, this child has my DNA. I, 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 you know, this one is, mine, I, mine. I, I was mm-hmm. the, I'm the parent. I helped, yeah. you know, bring this child into the world. And so... There's a there's a love there. You long to see that child set free, mm-hmm. so they won't be living in that type of lifestyle anymore. Mm-hmm. So so you'll do whatever you can. You pray whatever because you know that there's something better for them than what they're into now. And that's the same way that God sees us. I know. Listen, if you want to call in and chat with us a minute on this, it's three four seven two one five eight zero five one. Three four seven two one five eight zero five one, and then you have to press the one when you get in there, um, so that could we know that you're could there. Can I throw in a commercial? No. Yes. <laughs> no. Yes. What commercial? Well, I would. I just thought you have a a, a CD called "Who Am I?" Oh yeah. And that's available through Life Recovery. Mm-hmm. LifeRecovery.com. And uh, there's there's a lot of things that you have materials that you have that really deal with that issue of uh, identity. But that yeah. would be a good one to re- for our listeners to request. There's a lot of information on that website. Who, who am I? Yeah. And uh, go to that uh, website, liferecovery.com. Well, you know, thank you. That was a nice commercial. You even have a nice voice for that sort of thing. You know. Oh, thank you. Very much. You should take up uh, voiceovers. Okay. So, but anyway, going back to this really seriously, I mean. When you realize that your rejection of yourself is actually, in essence, the rejection of God, because you have rejected the image of God in you, you've believed the lies of the devil based on the appearance of what you see yourself doing, and therefore you have really um, refused the love of God. Go ahead. Oh, so so we go. So we and one other thing I want to say about how, how Satan deceives us. Um, he tricks us into 
believing we need something to taking his solution, and that's where sin begins. Um, that's what James talks about in 1, 13, 14. Um, when we're led away of our own lusts and enticed, um, sin, is, sin is conceived. And so when we're, our, our lust is our vulnerability or our need, and enticement is the tempter they come. When we, when we take his solution, he entices us to take a, a remedy for the problem that is not God's, just like Satan's remedy to, to Jesus was to turn the stones into bread, not God's solution. Satan's remedy for Eve was to eat of the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, not God's solution. So whenever you take those solutions, you now are beholding to the devil. You have just, you got to, you know, he owns you in that place. Um, so, uh, and then the enemy wants to build on this idea of the sinful human nature and it's your choice. He wants to stop at that to deceive or, or conceal, I should say, his activity in our uh, in the whole equation. And so we stop at our choice and now we're frustrated and bad and being indoctrinated. And, and actually then he also does another tricky thing. He sets up what uh, the sex, I mentioned that earlier, like the Calvinists, for example, who um, say that we're depraved, that we're depraved. So that really, they're theologians. Um, and we think, well, they're theologians, they're smart. Uh, they've got these big churches that listen to them. They should know what's going on. Um, who do we think we are? We're not smart. They must have it right. And so we are uh, depraved. We must be depraved. We accept that. And these sects are like a fifth column embedded in the ranks of the church of Jesus Christ to implode and divide it from within and without. Satan has allowed, uh, always had, he's always had these fifth columns in God's church. Dissenters, murmurers, witchcraft, wolves in sheep's clothing, all of these things to take advantage of the gullible, the vulnerable, the naive, the hungry, the innocent, the um, unsuspecting little sheep. And so these, these fifth columns come as our religious um, theories and theologies that have so pulled us away from the simple, pure word of God, that if you walk in the word of God, and we know that the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, it's good for you that I go away. Because the Holy Spirit, then he can come. So God knew that the, the deal was going to be so treacherous. The war within us was going to be so massive that he actually assigned the Holy Spirit to come and take up residence in our house. And you say, well, how can the Holy Spirit live in me if I'm sinning? Does he, and my question is, well, does, does he get permission to leave when I sin because he can't stand sin? No, he knows you're going to sin. He doesn't pack his bags every time you sin and move out and then move back in and move out. You may feel like he's, you know, not there or how could he be there? And that, of course, is Satan's question to you. But I'm telling you, he said, he would, Jesus said, I will never leave you or forsake you. He is so close inside of us, with us. I will not leave you orphans. He's coming back for us. If we realize how close he is, how incredibly intense this war is, how the spirit of the living God lives right inside of you, to lead you and to guide you into all truth and triumph, you would not be freaking out right now. You would not be deceived right now. You'd be walking in the, pers- the, the power of God if we listen to the Spirit. But if you go back and forth between the flesh, which is basically your soul, your flesh is your, uh, the, the definition of flesh is your body that carries your soul, those two together make flesh. You go to the soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, to figure something out. Satan's already corrupted that. That has been programmed. The body of death already operates 
in your mind, in your heart, through the experiences of the snake pit and all the the, the uh, reasoning and rhetoric and and and, and uh, religion that Satan has put there to get you to make a wrong choice. But the Spirit of God compels you to say, "Come over here. I want you to know this. This is true. You can know the truth. It's not something you have to figure out. It's already in you." And the Holy Spirit turns the light on so you can actually see it. So the solution to this identity crisis is really uh, putting us back into the nature. So we operate more according to the likeness and image of God in which we were originally created. Absolutely. is through the the work of Jesus Christ on Mm -hmm. the cross. He shed his blood to give us new life, Mm -hmm. bought us back, Mm -hmm. paid the penalty for our sin. And then he sent, like you said, Marjorie, he sent the Holy Spirit. And so he says, in, in Galatia, uh, well, Paul writes in Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, in the verse, verses following, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, for the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these mm-hmm. are contrary to one another, mm-hmm. so that you cannot do the things which you wish. So there's... You know, if you're back and forth and double-minded yep, between exactly. flesh, spirit, flesh, spirit, you 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 just you can't do anything. You're just uh, immobilized, mm-hmm. and that's how Satan wants to part. One of the ways he wants to immobilize us. Exactly. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now, the law just basically pronounces failure upon us right. constantly. Now, the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, witchcraft, use of Mm -hmm. uh, drugs, that sort of thing, Uh, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and heresies, envies, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and and the like. I mean, that's some of the characteristics of the works of the of the works of the flesh. That's how they're described. And Satan uses those as evidence to convince you that you are a sinner, that you are bad, yeah. and that that's who you are. Of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things mm-hmm. will not inherit the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm glad for the buts of Scripture. <laughs> but the fruit of the Spirit. Is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ mm-hmm. and have received the Amen. The, the revelation of the Jesus revelation Christ and, and received the salvation. Christ, the atoning sacrifices, uh, you know, the complete penalty for, paid by Him for our sin. Mm-hmm. Those who are Christ, He's purchased us. Actually, we're owned by Him. Mm-hmm. As we believe, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Mm -hmm. And he said, so if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. So there's a whole new lifestyle. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Mm -hmm. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And right. And because that seems to be a long um, ongoing process, we sometimes think it's not working. But again, going back to the the consummation of this thing, the devil wants to dissuade us, persuade us to vote against ourselves. And in that we actually vote against God. And to reject ourselves is to reject God and his plan of salvation. To reject God's plan of salvation is sure death for us. And Satan knows that. 
And so to accept God's salvation, we must accept ourselves. It is not vanity um, to, to accept God, but if we reject God, it's, not, it's insanity. Mm-hmm. Because Satan, really, it's really, truly, whose report do you believe? Do you, have, do you have the power to define yourself? No, you only have the power to uh, come into an agreement with what appears to be. Or you can, say, you can say, I agree with God. The truth sets you free. So the more in agreement with God, you're, the more you're going to see yourself in love, joy, peace, rest, goodness, and fellowship with God. And you know, when you fall down, when you sin, when you get tricked, when you skin your knee, when you get dirty, go back to the Father and say, confess it. Lord, you're right. Um, and the law, all the law has been up, uh, upgraded to thou shalt love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. This, causes, this calls for great trust that God is faithful and he will make it fair and just in the end. And so with all of these things, um, I can't keep the law. The law doesn't need to be kept. Uh, the law of, of transgressions, the, t- the commandments are all uh, like I said, they're upgraded in love. When you love someone, you won't murder them. You won't lie about them. You won't lie to them. You won't cheat. And so walking in the spirit, God's love, God's nature, God is really wanting to bring us to the fullness, not only of made, made in his likeness and image, but to the, the fullness of his behavior, which is to love and to um, bless and to, because we are being trained up right now in this world system, this messy, messy place to be joint heirs with Jesus Christ and to be and the image of God being conformed into the image of his dear son. That's what the, the whole process down here is to be conformed into the image of his dear son. We're made in the image of God. Now he wants to conform us, cause us to walk in, accept, endorse that image. And if you will do that, you will be mighty on the earth. You will know your God and you'll do exploits. And that's really where we have to be in these last days and not to be afraid, but rejoice in God. So I just want to say, Thank you to everyone who listened, and do us a favor, if you will. Please pass on the information about these radio shows, if you will, to others who might be interested in getting um, brought up in the in the truth and the revelation of the Word of God. You go to liferecovery.com mm-hmm. get the uh, all the shows in the yep. archive. archive there. And then the other thing is we also are having a conference on April 23rd, which is a Saturday in Elk River, Minnesota. Uh, it's free, open to the public from 10 to 3 o'clock. And we're going to be talking about rescued, redeemed, and restored. It is our last um, in the series of our winter conferences. Um, and so we invite you to join us that day. And uh, we just bless you in the name of Jesus. It's at the uh, Holiday Inn Express. Mm-hmm. In Elk River. And actually uh, right at Seago, right next to Elk River. Yeah. Uh, it's from 10 till 3. three. Mm-hmm. 10 yep. to 3. Mm-hmm. I, yep. So Saturday, April 23rd. Hope to see you there. Lord, thank you for uh, this time today. Thank you for each listener, the ones that have listened live and those have, uh, that are listening now on the archives. We thank you, Lord, that you are good. You created us in your likeness and image, and we want to express Jesus Christ. As we read in, Margie read in Romans chapter 8, that we are destined, you've called us to be conformed to the image of your dear Son, Father, mm-hmm. and Jesus, to be like Jesus, to express the characteristics of Jesus Christ in this world. So thank you, Lord, that by your blood and by your spirit, 
You've given us the ability to do that. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you all. I have an emergency. What is your location? Because there's a war for your soul.